Welcome to the Florida State Podcast of Entrepreneurship and Innovation, where we showcase student entrepreneurs to learn about the startups they are working on, check in with alumni to hear about the companies they are building, and learn from seasoned entrepreneurs who have built amazing companies. Hosted by Mark McNeese, a serial entrepreneur who has started for-profits, non-profits, social impact companies, and is currently entrepreneur-in-residence at the Jim Rand School of Entrepreneurship. We're excited to have John Wilcox, the founder and CEO of Dietech with us today, a med tech startup that implements innovative solutions to enhance and empower the lives of patients, families, and communities impacted by diabetes. Welcome, John. Could you tell us a little bit more about your company? Yeah, and, and thank you, Mark, for having me um, to represent Dietech. You know, we are a company that recently was started out of FSU. Um, We're all recent graduates um, of Florida State and different interdisciplinary focuses that we were able to study as students. But we all came together, um, myself and the three other co-founding members, um, Nicholas Cooper, our COO, John Clark Gray, who is our CSO, and Luis Blanco, who is our CTO, um, and myself being the CEO. Um, We're just students that had an idea um, and were personally connected to a problem and decided to do something about that. And that problem is diabetes. Mm -hmm. So um, how did the idea of Dietech come about and why is this technology important? And if you could explain the technology as well. Yeah, sure. So um, Dietech was, was founded off the problem of insulin pumps not working correctly. So for those who are unfamiliar um, with insulin pump technology, it's a type of medical device that people with diabetes utilize to continuously give themselves their life-saving medication, insulin. Um, And so at any time a person is using this technology, um, the flow of insulin can be disrupted, um, it can fail, and there really isn't any reliable way to tell a patient that's using that technology uh, when it's not working. And so we let me interrupt. So yeah. what what why is that a problem? Uh, uh, what could happen if, right. if it stops working? Right. And so a patient with diabetes that could not get their insulin if they're using a pump um, could ultimately have their blood sugar get affected um, very severely. And so that was really the issue at hand is that these amazing pieces of technology still seem to have some issues with being able to deliver that life-saving medication and keep patients' blood sugar in line. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a personal problem. You know, I, I'm a type 1 diabetic myself. I utilize an insulin pump. And so going throughout college um, and dealing with this myself, um, it was very intriguing to be able to start a company um, based off of things that I was experiencing as well. So this is very personal to you. Yes. And is this... Is the pump failure, would you call it a pump failure? Mm-hmm. With the pump failure, did that ever happen to you or did friends and family, like, like why did this become top of mind and a, and a problem that you wanted to solve? Right, right. So um, personally, um, you know, I was experiencing insulin pump failures um, throughout my time in college, even up until today. Um, oh, wow. And I, I still... Um, you know, frequently have to have um, kind of a keen understanding of when those are happening. Um, Unfortunately, many patients don't have that understanding because of a lack of education um, towards this type of problem. Um, I worked in a pediatric endocrinology office throughout college and seeing a lot of children come in with insulin pumps, 
you know, having affected blood sugars because of technical failures with their pump, it just seemed absolutely ridiculous that that, that kind of was the standard. Right. And this technology is amazing. However, making it better so that patients like those children with insulin pumps, like myself, mm-hmm. and other people who have to suffer with these complications, um, you know, can trust their technology um, and know that it's working. That's, that's really, really interesting. So for those of us who are unfamiliar with type 1 diabetes, can you explain uh, what it is um, in layman's terms and, and how is it treated? Sure. So I kind of like to compare type 1 diabetes to um, kind of a, a lock and, and key mechanism. So um, a person with diabetes um, cannot produce that key, which is insulin. And insulin allows for all the sugar in your body to go into your you know, your cells, um, and you can effectively live. Um, now with diabetes, you can't produce that insulin. And so there's no way for that sugar to get into your body, and it just sits in your blood. It can really impact you acutely and chronically. So, um, you know, kind of looking at how that affects a patient, um, it can be, again, very severe if it's, if it's not treated. Okay. Um, so, at the Jim Moran School, we teach our students that uh, they need to create a value proposition mm-hmm. for for their product or service. Essentially, I know you know this, but for our audience who may not, mm-hmm. uh, essentially a value proposition is why why would somebody buy your product or service over somebody else's? Like, what 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 problem are you solving? And mm-hmm. and I, I know that you've touched on that, but but. Do you have in your mind, uh, or could you share basically Dietech's value proposition? Like sure. Why, why is it important for you to exist? Yeah, so I know we mentioned it a couple of times about what the technology is looking to solve, but the technology itself um, is called Smart Fusion. And what Smart Fusion is, is a system for insulin pump users to use in tandem with their diabetes pumps. And so it is a sensor-based system that can connect to the flow of insulin pump technology and tell the patient if there's any interruptions in their insulin delivery. And so it's coming into kind of a form of a disposable portion Mm -hmm. that also connects to the pump. And this feature um, ultimately would look to tell that patient when their insulin isn't working. Now, that's the physical value proposition. We see a more you know, pivotal value proposition being based on the fact that a patient can start to trust that their technology is working in real time. And so playing off the fact of a patient needing to have that trust in their technology is where we see ourselves coming into and providing that value proposition so that they know that they can. Okay. So without giving away any of your company secrets, can you kind of explain, um, what it looks like and how does it work. Is sure. this a completely new pump system or is it a variation? How, mm-hmm. how, how, what is this, what is it? So the technology um, can sometimes be difficult to describe as a medical device, um, but to put it in layman's terms, um, it is an accessory portion that can connect to insulin pumps that are on the market okay. and that sense the specific fluid uh, motion of the pump as it you know, operates. And so kind of think of a um, little clip-on portion that can connect to the pump um, in line with the fluid 
that can then tell you in real time, that can connect to an IoT device, like a phone, mm -hmm. um, and then it can tell the user if their pump isn't working. So kind of a, a, a modular clip-on piece that sits within the fluid line of the pump. So this added aftermarket mm -hmm. piece actually has an app component to it? At the, currently, we're developing that as of right now, um, but the goal would be able to have an app component that could tell potentially a parent, mm -hmm. uh, a school nurse, or a caretaker um, if a child's insulin pump is not working. So um, kind of a remote monitoring feature. Okay. Um, the goal is to get this technology to ultimately be integrated into an insulin pump. So rather than being an accessory or add-on piece, right. it's one that is adopted completely into the form factor of an insulin pump, and that's our goal. So you've brought up children several times. Would mm -hmm. you say that that children are actually the target market for this, or the primary target market? I would say yes, that, that so there's about uh, 550,000 insulin pump uh, using patients in the United States. Um, and you know we see a majority of those um, patients needing our technology. However, about 70,000 of those patients are pediatric diagnosed um, insulin pump users. And type 1 diabetes usually takes the form of being diagnosed at a pediatric age. Um, but we know that there is a, you know, an, a need by these children that utilize these pumps to really know when their pump isn't working or for their caretakers too, because it can be very difficult for children with diabetes to really know what's going on with their technology. So seeing children and their parents as our primary adopters for our technology is, is, is kind of the the, the move that we're making as a company. Not necessarily because we think it's easier to sell to parents, but we really see it more as a, you know, a need for them to know if their child's pump isn't working. Yeah, absolutely. If, if one of my children had diabetes, right. that would, you know, I could imagine sending them off to school, knowing that one of the current problems with these pumps is sometimes they don't work, mm -hmm. and what happens if it doesn't, they're mm -hmm. playing, you know, yeah, so I, I think that's, that's an amazing kind of uh, iteration of what you guys are doing is super important. So that's really, really cool. Yeah. So uh, entrepreneurship is hard. Yes. Okay. Very so much so. I, it, it hasn't been all up and to the right, easy, no. you know, yeah. So there's been uh, difficulties uh, along the way. Uh, let's start with the good. Like what, what has been one of the biggest wins for you and your company in, in, in going on this startup venture? Sure. Um, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, I previously was on track to attend medical school following um, my graduation from FSU. And I always joke with my co-founders about stealing them away from their amazing engineering job offer opportunities that they had. But we all decided to stick with it. And, you know, We've done a lot um, in the last year as a company, and I would say one of the most pivotal achievements that we've had recently was our uh, graduation from a medical device accelerator in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, yes, it was amazing. We were very fortunate to be picked for that program, um, and we just have um, cleared a total uh, raise amount of about $82,000 as, as a you know, medical device early stage startup started by college students. And we're very excited to turn some of that capital into forward progress towards getting our clinically ready device 
ready for an FDA trial, and then ultimately market an entry, which we hope to do by uh, mid to late part of 2021. Okay, yeah, I was just about to ask what what you know, as soon as you say FDA, like you're like, okay, what's the yeah. what's the ramp here? People people always um, provide, you know, actually I should specify investors mm-hmm. <laughs> always provide um, a, a very um, large amount of concern when it comes to our our regulatory processes, which is, involves the FDA, right. um, our reimbursement, which involves insurance. Um, you know, we just were able to complete a um, regulatory FDA assessment with a consultant that we worked with in um, our accelerator, and they proposed that we would, you know, have a much reduced, um, a much more reduced FDA process than we initially thought. Um, so this this really kind of bolstered our timeline. Um, in regards to, um, or I should say, shortened our timeline right. in our in our uh, in in our projections for when we could get this device out to patients. Cool. How how did you get? How did you and your company get connected with the uh, uh, accelerator in Memphis? Right. So I think this is a really good opportunity for anyone that's listening to um, know that um, early stage company development um, is 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 probably the most critical point for. Um, a venture. Um, and there are resources that are out there that I suggest that you utilize to help you do that. Um, you know, you can be um, very prideful and try to do this on your own, but um, accessing mentors and capital that are specific to your stage of company um, is extremely important. So, um, you know, the way that we found out about Zero to 510, which is the accelerator um, in Memphis, was um, actually through a mutual contact that came to Tallahassee. So we were very fortunate to be able to hear by word of mouth. Um, But I would say for an average entrepreneur, um, a lot of great resources to find those types of opportunities um, are quite frankly, quick Google searches. Um, Going onto Crunchbase, which is an amazing resource if if, um, you all are unfamiliar with. So checking that out and seeing what investors, um, what organizations, can provide capital with mentoring or curriculum because I think that's the most important thing um, that that entrepreneurs entrepreneurs need at this stage. So I'll shout out um, Startco, which is the um, kind of overall organization of that. Check that organization out. Um, Future Founders, which is a phenomenal organization in Chicago um, that does a lot of work with early stage company development. And then of course, if you're ambitious enough, um, looking at um, you know different accelerators within you know, Denver, San Francisco, Boston. Um, there's, there's, there's an opportunity for everyone in all different types of company fields. So hearing about all these other opportunities, mm-hmm. were there resources here at FSU or the Jim Moran School or in Tallahassee that, that came alongside you and, and helped this company uh, progress? Right, there was a recent Forbes article that actually just came out that suggested that entrepreneurs don't have to move away from their hometowns anymore to make successful companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sorry I cannot quote the specific article, but that was so intriguing to me because FSU and Tallahassee and TCC um, and FAMU um, are in this beautiful um, you know, amalgamation of, of entrepreneurial ecosystem that is building right now. I mean, you're familiar with this. and. Um, a lot of people that we've worked with locally um, showcase that Tallahassee is a place to grow a business. Um, I will say medical devices is a little difficult due to the fact that um, you know we need access to certain amounts of capital right. and industry relations. But 
For other types of companies, I think Tallahassee offers an incredible opportunity, whether it's working with the Office of Economic Vitality, mm -hmm. um, working with the Chamber, um, Domi Station, um, you know, TCC's uh, Center for Innovation. Um, all of these different um, places are amazing for FSU students. And the paramount one, of course, is this amazing new um, Jim Moran School of Entrepreneurship. When we were seniors, it was its first year. Right. And we were um, so fortunate to kind of fall within that timeline um, because there were just so many resources that were offered to us. Uh, from the Jim Moran School, and, I, and I, I'm so happy that you, you know, talking about the Office of Economic Vitality and, yes. and, and Christina there and, and Antonio at Delmi yeah. and, and Sue Dick over at the Chamber. You know, we have this growing entrepreneurial uh, ecosystem happening and you're definitely we're a little early. You know, mm -hmm. it's getting a lot, a lot better. Uh, and, and forgive me, I don't remember uh, uh, we're. Was Dietech, did you guys ever pitch at, at um, uh, the Innovation Challenge? Uh, you, you did? Did you yeah. guys win? Uh, so we were one of the uh, winning groups. Okay. Um, so I do believe we won the 4, 000, one of the $4,000 okay. so prizes. Okay, so you got some resources Right, there. and so um, I would like to, of course, also shout out um, you know, JMS for being able to be a main contributor to about our $32,000 in non-dilutive capital that we raised. And that was just a amazing experience doing the innovation challenge, applying for a micro grant okay. for which you judged. I uh, did. Yes. And that was, that was amazing meeting you there for the first time. Um, but you know, these different opportunities, whether it is those two that I just mentioned, um, you know, traveling to different conferences that have competitions and pitch right. competitions for students to participate in. Um, there is a lot of funding that is available for student entrepreneurs. Um, and exploring that, um, I think before you go into kind of looking into those early stage development programs that we were mentioning a little bit earlier, right. um, I think is the way to go. Um, utilizing these resources locally and then branching out to that next stage is, I think, a really great plan for students. So you threw out a word, and I'm not sure if our, our audience is familiar with it, but mm -hmm. uh, I think you know it's a, it's a hot word for me, and that's right. non-dilutable. Oh, yes. What, what is, what is non-dilutable? Yeah, so... Why is uh, that important for yeah, a founder? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's super important for a founder at any stage of company development, but especially important for early stage company development. Um, you know, at any point, um, a company can... Um, you know, meet uh, opportunities that can offer um, that company uh, a benefit. However, some of those opportunities require equity. And mm -hmm. so um, being very tactical on figuring out what opportunity um, is worth that equity um, is a very important decision you need to make early on as, as a company. So the best type of opportunity is one that doesn't take any equity, right. um, thus a non-dilutive um, uh, non-dilutive capital or, right. or, or money that you can get for that. And so um, trying to avoid uh, opportunities early on that take, um, you know, potential intellectual property or patent uh, protection that you have, mm -hmm. a percentage of your company, um, that's, that's something that needs to be done later on. Um, finding these early stage um, capital resources, money resources that can help your company move forward, that don't take any cut of your company 
um, is super important. And FSU offers a lot of those types of resources. Yeah, they, they absolutely do. And this is one of the things that obviously is a hot topic for me because I've seen so many mm-hmm. entrepreneurs be taken advantage of by yes. taking capital and uh, in the clause that the investor is saying they're non-dilutable, which means they they will always own their sh- that share of the company and then everybody else yes. uh, uh, ha- loses equity along the way. Mm-hmm. And it's one of these little insidious things about entrepreneurship and, and funding that that I really think, you know, I wish more entrepreneurs uh, understood, but most entrepreneurs come from a different background than entrepreneurship, right? You, mm-hmm. Like you, you, medical devices and things like that. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, these kind of like, ways that the finance mm-hmm. people kind of can play the game, you know, sometimes. And that, and to me, that's one of the benefits, too, of having an organization like uh, the Jim Moran School or Domi yes. to be able to look out for for these entrepreneurs. Right. And and it's, it's very complicating. So for whoever's listening, know that I did not learn this overnight. Um, as you said, um, I came from a biology background, never took a business class in my life, but decided to start a business. And um, that was a huge learning curve for me to try and figure out all of these details about investments and, and, and what type of investors you need. You know, not every company needs investment. Some companies can, can, can fly off into the sunset with revenue that they can produce early on. But for those companies that do need capital to get started, look into very early stage capital resources that don't take away from your company because that can ultimately impact you very much in the long run. There's so many founders who've been fired from their company because they made an early on decision and didn't realize they'd mm-hmm. lose control of their company. Right. And I just feel like you may want have to make that decision, but you should know that you should know what you're deciding and what could right. happen. So. Right. And if I may, um, just to share a couple more opportunities that I think are really great for um, maybe some early stage entrepreneurs that are listening. You know, the um, local resources here at FSU are amazing. Of course, check those out at um, FSU Jim Moran uh, School of Entrepreneurship. But uh, also looking into um, national grants that many students at our university can be competitive for. Um, that includes the i grant um, that can provide capital, um, SBIR, STTR grants. Um, just copy everything that I'm saying down yeah. into the Google uh, into a Google search, and you'll see that these things that I just mentioned. And we can put them in the podcast right, as well. Right. These these are these are national grants that that can allow for businesses to gain that type of type of funding um, without without taking huge cuts from the company. And I think those are really good resources that need to be checked out. Cool. Can I ask you a couple more questions? Of course. Awesome. Yeah. So what has been uh, your biggest challenge so far in, mm-hmm. in, in getting to where Dietech is? Yeah. So um, I'll comment on a liter- literal and an anecdotal. Um, on the literal side, I would say that my um, biggest challenge, and I think our company's biggest challenge, um, is is sorting through the right capital resources. Kind of this topic that we've talked, you know, been talking mm-hmm. about during this um, session. Um, finding resources that will invest the amount that we need um, for the equity that we are requesting, um, with the mentorship that will move the company forward. Um, we have just started a fundraise um, to get us to um, our next phase, getting that clinically ready device. 
um, and it's very challenging. Mm -hmm. um, fundraising is very difficult. Um, so spend a, a lot of time on your timeline uh, doing that. Uh, we're preparing for that. Um, so finding the right investors, um, I think, has been kind of, you know, ultimately a, a biggest challenge for us. And luckily, we have gotten some early stage investors who have been super helpful um, and are helping us get to more capital. Now, I would say um, a very difficult thing uh, for me personally is the fact of knowing that my issue with insulin pump technology um, is not everyone on the mm -hmm. I would who was not as privileged as I was mm -hmm. and um, couldn't afford their insulin mm -hmm. where I could. And how dare, it, how dare I think that just because we have the same disease means that we have the same experience. Right. Um, being able to know that everyone's experiences are individual, even though you might empathize with them, um, has been super important for me to know um, as I try and provide a solution to my fellow patients with diabetes, right. knowing that there still can be differences despite the fact that we really relate. And so um, I need to always keep that close in my, to, to my heart when I'm being an entrepreneur and trying to help my community. And then um, last question before I ask you just about what's next for Diatech is what's been one of your biggest like aha or I didn't even know about that when I was going to start that, that you've seen uh, or you've experienced. Have you had any big learnings or, mm -hmm. or aha moments? Right. Um, I think uh, the, the, one of the biggest aha moments um, that I have had, um, and I'm speaking on behalf of myself, I'm sure right. my co-founders might have different ones, um, is how dedicated you have to be to this. You go into starting a business knowing that you're going to put time and energy, but um, there are moments where your business will require you to move away um, from a place that you might have a loved one or family mm -hmm. um, in order to make your business succeed. Um, there are moments when you have to realize that you have to stay up like three nights in a row to get a deadline for something. Um, and this shouldn't be to scare anybody, but right. it's, it's just a reality. Um, and I think I was a little naive to that reality when I started Diatech. Mm -hmm. um, trust me, I've learned my lesson now. Um, but just just knowing that there is so much dedication that you have to put into um, your baby, which is your company, right. um, to make sure that it grow is growing and it's healthy. Um, so I would say that that's probably my biggest aha moment. Okay, very very cool. So. So what's next? What, uh, where do you guys want to be in the next three to five years? Right. So um, the future of Diatech um, is, 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 is one that we see um, you know, with uh, potential merger and acquisition. That's our goal um, mm -hmm. as a company. Um, we would love for our technology to um, be purchased or acquired um, by a larger insulin pump manufacturer um, or insulin pump company um, to put into their pump systems. Um, you know, we know um, going through our pitches and our, our business classes and our sessions um, that we have to gain some market traction. So we see ourselves in the next three years um, to have entered into the market with our device and hopefully gain enough uh, interest from a larger competitor to buy our technology and ultimately exit. So that's, that's our goal. Um, and that involves a ton of steps, you know, our FDA process. Um, figuring out our insurance uh, coverage, um, getting our device completely ready for patient use. These things are important, and we're going to work on that as we get to that goal um, here in the next three to five years. 
Fantastic. Well, John, thank you so much for coming in and sharing about Dietech and, and, and your journey, and we wish you the best of luck. Thank you very much, Mark, and good luck to all the entrepreneurs out there listening. Um, and thank you so much. Thank you for joining the Florida State Podcast of Entrepreneurship and Innovation. If you would like to be notified of new episodes, please subscribe via your favorite player. Also, if you like the podcast, please take the time to share it on social media, give it a five-star rating, and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever else you enjoy your podcasts. This will help us get the word out to other entrepreneurs that the FSU Entrepreneurship Podcast has been launched.